On the Riabu podcast today, we have a special guest who's somebody who may be in a job very much like yours, a freelancer. And as many freelancers have experienced in the past, there's usually the unfortunate issue of not getting paid. Unlike the staff writers or staff producers, staff uh, uh, photographers or staff graphic artists, the freelancer always seems to get short shrift. There's the fact that you're not in the office. You're not able to chase down the people in the finance department because after all, you are just submitting work as and when required and then waiting to be paid. So in the case of uh, Bali Jaswal, a writer based in Singapore, she has, as she wrote on Twitter, <clears throat> written pieces for Vogue India. She was commissioned to write them. And despite her quick turnaround and the pieces being published more than a year later, she's still waiting for payment. Bali, thank you very much for joining us on the Riabu podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. So tell us the story. What was your piece about and how was the relationship with the publisher leading up to you submitting your piece? Well, so, yeah, I'll begin with um, them. They actually reached out to me uh, in uh, January 2019. Uh, the One of the editors at Vogue India wrote to me to say that she enjoyed my writing. So I'm, I'm a novelist uh, by, by profession. And uh, a lot of the topics that come up in my novels tend to be um, good kind of springboards for for short nonfiction pieces. Um, so this, what she wanted me to write about was um, part of a series that she was doing on um, the future of blank. So the future of, uh, you know, the future of food, for example, or the future of reading. Uh, and in my case, she wanted me to write about uh, the future of sex. Um, and I, you know, was very happy to, to take her up on it. And I said, sure, I'll, I'd, I'd love to, to, to write a piece on this. Um, and, and right away, we talked about, you know, what, what the, the terms would be. Um, and then I, I managed to actually write the, the, the story within quite a quick turnaround time. So there was actually a very, very short, um, short deadline. And, and then I just didn't hear anything for a really long time. Uh, I got in touch with the editor for a few, uh, after a few months and I asked, you know, what, what, what's going on? Is the piece going to be published? And, you know, I've done the work, so I should be getting paid. And I kept getting dismissed or being told, oh, it's being moved into another issue. That There always seemed to be some sort of um, conflict or some sort of change in schedule uh, that meant that, that you know, my, my payment would be delayed. And that went on for more than a year, actually, 18 months, uh, because then they said, oh, it's not going, you're not going to get paid until it gets published. Oh, it takes six months. Then the pandemic happens. Then they've changed their processes. Then everyone's on lockdown. Uh, there was always something. There were always forms that, that were being thrown at me. Um, and and I, was being, I was essentially being made to uh, believe that because I didn't fill out a certain form, uh, that's why the payment was delayed. And these forms looked like they were just kind of scratched up uh, and, 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 you know, and, and put together just for the purpose of, of deflecting the payment further. So it was really frustrating, really, really frustrating. Yes, and a common story. I suppose many people have had this. Did you have this in the past with uh, other uh, customers, other publications that you were writing for, maybe other, other book publishers even who you had uh, engaged? No, so I one, one thing that I'm I'm quite lucky with is that I have a literary agent and she chases up payments for me. And my publishers are very prompt, you know, they 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 
they they know the consequences i suppose of of not paying um and you know yeah they tend to be they they, they tend to be quite respectful of those deadlines in the few instances where you know they have had to be chased up or or other kind of um uh, vendors, I suppose, have had to be chased up. It's it. There's usually been a valid excuse, not the sort of gaslighting that I experienced uh, with with Vogue India, where it seemed like at first it just seemed like they were disorganized, and then it started to feel quite sinister. It started to feel like they actually had no interest in paying me and thought that um, they could get away with just with just not paying me, and that and that you know I, I would eventually give up asking, uh, but but I didn't, and and finally they they relented. So have you now been paid? Yes. So since I put up that thing on Twitter, so that that's really a last resort. I really very rarely go, go to social media um, to, to shame, especially an enterprise as big as, as, as Vogue or Condé Nast or, or, or you know, a big publisher. Um, it just it just comes across so hostile. It, it, it's just a, a conflict that I'd rather avoid. But this yes, is, of course. Yeah, this is a situation where I just, you know, I, I, I felt at that point, I just had nothing to lose because I wasn't getting any response. I kept getting forms thrown at me or excuses thrown at me. And it, it, it wasn't, it really was not about the money at this point. It was really about the principle of the thing because it, it really wasn't, you know, a, a very high paying <laughs> assignment. Yes. Uh, it was just the audacity of someone to keep um, deflecting and dismissing my, my, my work that was done and my payment that was owed. Yes. Well, I'm pleased to hear that you have at least been paid, albeit uh, 18 months late. And Simon, uh, Simon, come on in here. I mean, as you heard, uh, Bali was yeah. saying, she, she well, discussed my... the terms in advance. So uh, do you really always have to shame people into paying you? No, I mean, I'm very surprised. You know, free, for freelance writers, and, and, and like you, I do bits and pieces, uh, you know, uh, some magazines are much worse than others. You know, I have a magazine in New York that typically pays in about a month. Uh, Hong Kong Tatler took three months to pay me, um, and a few others are a bit worse. But I think you um, you've got the record <laughs> based <laughs> on people that I know. So, so how many days was it from the time you submitted the article to the time the money actually landed in your bank, Pally? Um, um, so it was eighteen months. Like I was I was commissioned in early January, and I just got paid like a week ago, early yeah. January twenty nineteen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, not paying until the piece appears, that's that's pretty standard, um, yeah. I think, um, because the theory is they don't get the revenue from that issue of the magazine until until, yeah. until it's published. Um, but but and and you you did actually raise the issue with them before taking on the assignment. Yeah. So I had actually um, because there's so much it, it, it's never very transparent with a lot of, um, uh, you know, editors who, who are commissioning pieces. It's all, it, it always feels, or it often feels, I shouldn't say always, but it often feels as if they're going to pay what they can get away with. And um, with, with some writers, it's, you know, oh, you know, she, she, she doesn't mind the exposure. So let's just pay her an exposure or let's, you know, let, let's not, let's not bring up payment until the writer brings it up. Um, I, I've learned, you know, over the course of doing this, that that that's one of the things that I have to be very upfront about. You know, I'm I'm not going to do this unless it's a paid opportunity, uh, especially if you're a big publisher and you can pay. Uh, so yeah, we discussed the terms. Yeah, upfront, I I said, you know, uh, I'd love to do this, but it's dependent on you know what what the payment will be. And they came back to me to tell to tell me what the payment was uh, per word, I think, or or for that art. I can't remember exactly. Um, 
And then I said, sure, but you know, there was never, I don't think we actually signed anything. Mm. I wrote the article and then I asked, and, and I think throughout that process, I was asking for a contract. Um, and I finally got a contract months later that they, I mean, why bother? They didn't, they didn't really bother adhering to anything in that contract. So it was just, again, like one of their forms, just a, <laughs> a, a, a scratched up piece of paper that they just kind of put together to, to appease me. Yeah. Well, I mean, print media, sadly, is a twilight industry. Magazines mm. are perishing all the time. A magazine I wrote for for a long time, Finance Asia, ceased to exist about three mm. months ago uh, and went purely digital. So I guess it's understandable that they're hunting uh, cost and, and cash flow opportunities um, and, uh, wherever they can, but it's clearly wrong to yeah. to to treat a freelance writer the way they treated you. So, so just to focus in on this, did you you, you discuss the terms, the per word, the number of words, the cost per word? Did you actually discuss the number of days when they would pay you and 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 and, and, and how long it would take in the in those early discussions? I don't think we did. No. no, in hindsight, I think I should have done that. I think, um, so I had written for Condé Nast, which was kind of their umbrella company. Yeah. And there was also a bit of a conflict with payment there where they just took a very long time, but it did come, you know, with, I think within like six months or three months, maybe. Um, and I think because of that, I just, yeah, I, th I thought it was kind of the same. It was going to be that same process. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't think we actually discussed yeah, I mean, this isn't really very useful advice for you at this point. <laughs> but but uh, one of the things that we talk about a lot uh, on this podcast is the fact that many people, entrepreneurs, um, writers, architects, whoever you happen to be, you're so keen to get the work that yeah. you regard, it almost feels as if it's rather impolite to raise the issue of, and by the way, when do you think you might pay me? And you have to resist that sense that it's socially unacceptable and you, you have, if you can, to try and lay out a very clear agreement. Even if they even if they level with you and tell you it's going to be three months or, God forbid, six months, if you know, you can make them stick to it and, and also you can plan. It's when you're kind of expecting to be paid in one month or two months or whatever it is and a year later you haven't been paid. That, that can be, not only is it frustrating and it feels, it's very disrespectful if you're a yeah. professional. Um, but but it also can be catastrophic if it happens too much. Um, so so having these difficult conversations early on in the relationship is um, and ideally getting it in writing, which undoubtedly they don't particularly want to do, um, is um, is pretty important, I think. Yeah, no. And that's something that I will do um, going forward. I think I, I it, you're right about the the having to resist that that sense of being callous. But then, you know, that that it is business. Um, exactly. it, it, the conversation sometimes is couched as, oh, you're such a creative person. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And, you know, don't you just love to, to, to expound on various things? Uh, but no, I, I want to get paid. Yes, <laughs> yes well, and, and so you should. And, <laughs> and, you know, this this other thing, Simon, I'm sure you've heard this too. Do it for the exposure. When, when you said that a couple of minutes ago, Bali, I'm sure every listener to this podcast would have rolled their eyes and said, oh, my God, how many times have we heard that before? Yes, I mean, people that are trying to get something for nothing uh, tend to get used to using certain phrases yeah. and approaches, um, which mm. over time cease to have any real meaning yeah. um, <laughs> and are simply techniques for getting away with bad behavior, yes. I'm sorry yeah. to say. I mean, uh, just one other thing does occur to me um, and is that 
did you after it started to happen did you look online to see how they were treating other writers no you know i that, that's interesting i actually didn't do that um i i when i posted about them on twitter i really didn't know which direction it would go in uh because i didn't and that's why i kind of hesitated because i thought well what if you know people respond saying oh why are you bad mouthing vogue india or or something you know and 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 instead the response was so supportive of me and then i heard from lots of writers who had written for vogue india like in the comments and also in in private messages saying oh they yeah they didn't bother paying me either yeah they threw all these weird forms at me um or i think there's one woman who said that she gave up pestering them eventually to pay her and she said just give the whenever you have the money just give it to charity and then they paid her <laughs> wow <laughs> I, they didn't want to pay charity <laughs> they, <laughs> they paid her and said well sometimes freelancers feel like charities yeah. <laughs> of course if you take something from someone with an intention not to pay mm. that's theft under english yeah. common law um and uh, you know, I think that's worth bearing in mind. Um, well, Bali, what did what role did your agent play in all of this? Because you say you do have a literary agent who chases payments, but um, clearly that also didn't yield results. Oh no, yeah, she doesn't chase payments for things that are um, commissioned outside of the agreement that we have, which is like so for my novels, for film options or film deals. Um, you know, she she really is the go between, and she negotiates all of those those deals um but for things where i'm approached directly um they're so small like these these small articles that i write occasionally um they they they, they don't really come under her purview um and right. i guess if there is a department in my in my line of work that deals with these things it would be more my publicist um at my at my publishers which is harper collins um but again like they don't they don't deal with the legal side of these things and then there's a complication as well of um the magazine not being in a country where i live so it wasn't even i i really felt quite powerless because i thought i can't take them to small claims court they're in india i'm in singapore my publishers are in the us and the uk this is also a very small amount of money we're talking about. So how, how you know, how much am I going to really invest in this? So there was a lot, there was a lot of that stuff that just made it um, very complicated, unnecessarily mm. complicated. So um, interesting to hear. So Simon, what is your advice then? I mean, presumably you need to be your own literary agent. Well, right, I, I, you know, I, mean I would treat it like, sorry, I would treat it like any other commercial transaction. Like if you, if we were advising a, say a, a, a company startup, on how to go about making sure that they get paid on time. The first thing to do is to check out your customer. Fortunately, you know, the plus side of living in a digital age is it's very easy to find out where companies routinely pay people late. Um, and that's certainly true in publishing because I've done it myself, you know. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, not long ago, the an Indian school, whose name I will not actually mention, uh, asked me to come and do a paper for them. Uh, and um, out of curiosity, uh, when, when I wrote the proposal, um, I Googled them online and they had been sued repeatedly for non-payment of uh, suppliers uh, or late payment. So so um, I thought, OK, so I mean, that was quite instructive. So that made it clear to me that I had to build into my pre-discussions with them an absolutely binary. And, and we use the word binary a lot. Binary is, you know, it's either one thing or the other. It's not what I want it to be or some excuse or some range of prevarications or whatever. It's you know, when are you going to pay me? I will expect payment by that date. 
And that needs to be put in writing. Even if they won't give you a contract, you can put it in writing and, and say that, you know, by reading this, uh, we understand that you have agreed implicitly to to pay me within such and such. So at least you have a baseline to operate off. Yeah. Um, the last thing anyone wants to do is to be in a situation where you have to embarrass, um, a, you know, a, a customer into, into paying you. How awful, yeah? Okay. Well, Bali, um, finally then, do you have any lessons or advice for other freelancers listening to this podcast? Um, yeah, well, I think, I think some of the, the things that were raised and some of the advice that was given in this podcast is, is, is really useful. Um, I think that idea of yeah, just having things in writing, even if it is just over email um, and having that, that conversation recorded somehow, it's really helpful. Um, I do have friends who are filmmakers and other, you know, in, in, in other um, artistic ind industries where they freelance who say that they always ask for a deposit up front. And I don't know if that's kind of industry standard in publishing, but I did, uh, I think there was someone who commented on Twitter that whenever she does work with certain companies or in, in certain places where she knows that um, uh, pay payments are going to be an issue, she always asks for the fee 100% upfront um which i guess i guess you run a risk of of then of them saying no and then not getting the job um but you know if if, if you can take that risk I, I think that i think that might be worth it because i'm i'm good for it you know like i'm i i will stick to my word and i will um i will write things by the deadline and this was what was really frustrating too is that i i adhered to a deadline i adhered to some changes that they wanted me to make in terms of in the topic like pretty big changes only to then uh, get really, really kind of put on the shelf and shortchanged for a yes. very long time. It's uh, that, that power dynamic is very unfair where they can tell you to do something um, and you do it and then you don't get rewarded. You don't even get your, your payment. Well, we have a thing called a, you know, a credit policy, which in the case of a freelance is, is very simple. It's just a one pager that says, I'm going to do this and you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, really the, the language is, is precisely as you've, as you, as you've suggested, it's, you have professional standards and those professional standards are that you're going to do what you were asked to do within the time constraints to the precise number of words and so on and so forth. And you bring significant expertise to this mm -hmm. and that in return, they as a professional publishing organization uh, will undertake to do X, Y, and Z and couch it in those terms yeah. um, and, and get it agreed. Now that doesn't turn um less than honest people in i'm choosing my words carefully into 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 honest people but it does at least mark um put a stick in the in the ground and says yeah. you know this is what i'm expecting i, I you now have implicit, implicitly agreed to because you're giving them the opportunity to come back and object and if yeah. they come back and object then fine just nail a term that they can stick to and, and confirm that as yeah. you've noticed people who won't talk about this who just want to be evasive that's a big, big red flag if they're yeah. invasive, yeah? Um, yeah. Well, Bali, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you so much for uh, telling us the story. I'm very pleased to hear that it had a happy ending with uh, at least payment being made, although so many months late. Yeah. And uh, obviously we hope that uh, things uh, travel better for you in the future and uh, good luck with everything. Um, great to have you with us. Uh, and obviously we also invited Vogue India to comment uh, and to also appear on the podcast uh, at this stage. Uh, we haven't heard back from them. And of course, if we do, then uh, we would be very happy to have them on the show. I am, Thank I you very am, much. I'd love to read the piece, Barty. What is the future of sex? I got to... <laughs>
That was the other thing, okay. too. I have to figure out what's that. It's a pretty big you, you, thing to figure out, the future of sex. It's a lot on my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, you're just going to have to get yourself a copy of Vogue India to, to, yeah, read, this, yeah. uh, to read this story. Thank you very much, Simon Littlewood. Uh, and we were joined by uh, Bali Jaswal. If you have a similar story to tell, or perhaps uh, from your industry, you've had specific cases where you haven't been paid and you would like to bring them to our attention, please do so. Email us at service at riabu.com.